Hi, and welcome to Linklater's Antitrust and Foreign Investment Legal Outlook for 2024. As 2024 draws near, undercurrents of economic and political pressure will continue to shape and increase competition regulation. In the year to come, we can expect factors beyond competition to affect transaction review and antitrust enforcement as regulators widen their approach. Turning first to M&A hurdles, the highly anticipated foreign subsidies regulation is now in force. Aimed at addressing distortive effects of non-EU subsidies on the EU market, it requires companies to notify certain M&A and procurement transactions, and as part of this, disclose a broad range of financial contributions received from non-EU governments. But as the regulation beds in, its extensive information requirements mean that companies will need to engage early with the European Commission to establish a pragmatic approach to disclosure, particularly for unproblematic contributions, to avoid delays. The Commission expects its resources to ramp up at the start of 2024, with the as-yet-untested option of ex-officio review still on the table. Authorities will continue to innovate to get problematic transactions through the door, whether or not they satisfy jurisdictional thresholds. Private equity strategies involving roll-ups, bolt-ons and carve-outs will be a particular focus as numerous enforcers, concerned by their use in transactions which individually avoid notification but together cause concentration in the market, seek ways to review them. The FTC has been particularly vocal, with recent enforcement targeting a series of non-reportable acquisitions. Indeed, the proposed US merger guidelines and new form are tailored to capture such transactions and acquisitions of nascent or potential competitors. The UK CMA has made this part of its conscious strategy, relying on, a sh on its share of supply threshold to intervene in such transactions. Across Europe, national authorities in Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Norway and Sweden already have call-in powers for below-threshold mergers, with others calling for the same. While the European Commission's Article 22 powers could enable them to review PE transactions that fall below thresholds. The Commission has also been clear that Article 22 could address potential enforcement gaps in relation to green killer acquisitions, that is, acquisitions of sustainable innovators with low or no EU turnover. Yet actual referrals under Article 22 are rare, with only two further cases to date following Illum in Illumina Grail's heavy footsteps, and the Court of Justice's ruling on Illumina's challenge is likely in 2024. But in the wake of the Towercast judgment, the Belgian authorities' investigation into Proximus Edpnet, ultimately resulting in abandonment of the transaction, makes dominance rules another avenue for targeting certain acquisitions that fall outside of merger control thresholds. Meanwhile, the ACCC is considering introducing a mandatory filing regime with a call-in power for below-threshold transactions and reforms to address serial acquisitions. Revamped filing thresholds are being finalised in China, which would include a new test to catch acquisitions of high-value, low-turnover startups. Elsewhere in Asia, we can expect new merger regimes, including in Malaysia, while reform packages are developed in Thailand to strengthen their existing rules. As regulators double down on vertical, ecosystem and conglomerate theories of harm, the EC's recent prohibition in booking e-travely indicates that the bar for prohibiting non-horizontal mergers has been lowered. 
Acquisitions by digital market players with entrenched positions will continue to face scrutiny in 2024 as authorities attempt to reverse the effects of perceived under-enforcement. Expect scepticism over emergency efficiencies through bundling opportunities. This will be fueled by obligations on the largest platforms under the DMA and the UK's proposed Digital Markets Competition and Consumer Bill to inform the EC and or CMA about planned acquisitions. But authorities are going broader, incorporating other factors in the substantive assessment of mergers. For example, worker mobility is at the forefront of proposed US merger guidelines, requiring consideration of the effect of the transaction on employment. And for the first time, a global authority has green-lighted a merger on environmental grounds, the ACCC recently concluding that the public benefits of an acquisition by increasing investment in renewable power outweighed its anti-competitive detriments. Green issues can arguably also play a role in the EU's competitive assessment of a merger, in addition to influencing which mergers are reviewed by the Commission. In South Africa, public interest factors are becoming increasingly central to deal review. New merger guidelines under consideration would require mergers to promote ownership by historically disadvantaged persons and workers. But in a regulatory space increasingly filled with foreign investment screening and the FSR, there is an open question as to how far political and economic factors may influence merger control outcomes. The CMA has been clear in the face of heavy criticism that its role is to focus on competition over the wider impact of mergers on economic growth. This may prove challenging given its recent steer from the government to create a pro-competition, pro-growth, pro-investment environment. In the current economic climate, structural remedies continue to be officially favoured by many authorities in particular in the UK, although its outcome in Microsoft Activision suggests behavioural remedies are not completely off the table. Many of these, for example in the EU, involve upfront buyer requirements. But in Brazil, despite Cardé's stated preference for structural remedies, most remedies in recent years have been partly or exclusively behavioural. Equally, China has shown a willingness to accept behavioural remedies, particularly where they remedy national concerns. US agencies' resistance to remedies may, we may be weakening as parties agree upfront remedies and successfully litigate the fix in court. The FTC has announced a series of behavioural remedies to target broad new theories of harm, including those that extend beyond the transaction itself. While extensive remedy packages are increasingly offered by parties in the early stages of transaction review to get their deal through the door, the CMA's recent proposals suggest some flex, allowing options for without prejudice remedies discussions at an early stage. Meanwhile, certain divergent deal outcomes between the EU and UK continue to create unpredictability, whether in the form of remedies suggested or indeed whether the deal should be cleared or prohibited. The Commission's prohibition of booking e-travelly has placed it in the unusual position of being the more interventionist regulator and out of step with other regulators. While authorities cooperate in parallel reviews, they are limited in their ability to share their evidence base. Parties considering a tricky merger would do well to understand customer views in different regions to avoid joining the list of conflicting review outcomes. As for investment screening, earlier this year, the OECD noted the historically unprecedented level of focus on foreign investment control. This will continue evolving throughout 2024 and beyond. 
Within the EU, 23 out of 27 member states now have regimes in force. Sweden's regime recently came into force, Ireland's is due soon, and Croatia, Cyprus, Greece and Bulgaria are all working on legislation. And further afield, Singapore's new regime is expected to enter into force in 2024, marking a significant shift from a traditionally permissive environment for overseas investors. Meanwhile, the countries that already have investment screening regimes are not likely to remain static. A strengthening of the regime is due shortly in France, followed by a wide-ranging reform in Germany. And scepticism about foreign investment is extending to countries without screening mechanisms, propelled by heightened concerns regarding national scrutiny in the current tense geopolitical climate. In parallel, we are seeing moves to streamline and focus existing regimes in some jurisdictions. The UK proposals to narrow and refine the scope of the almost two-year-old NSIA regime may ultimately result in a more proportionate and tailored regime. 866 notifications were submitted in the last financial year, in, con in contrast with 306 in Germany and 320 in the US. The government appears to be seeking to rectify many, albeit not all, areas of frustration for businesses and practitioners alike. And in the EU, forthcoming proposals may lead to revisions to the bloc's FDI screening regulation, such as filtering out non-critical cases, addressing divergence between national mechanisms and covering transactions where the direct investor is established in the EU, but ultimately controlled by a non-EU investor. In 2024, several jurisdictions will also be considering outbound screen investment screening regimes as a way to stem the outflow of know-how and investment into critical technologies abroad. The US is expected to implement its executive order, which restricts outbound investment into a designated country of concern. While currently limited to investments, particularly semiconductors, microelectronics and quantum information technology into China, including Hong Kong and Macau, there is scope to extend this to other countries and categories, and the regime can affect transactions when neither party is based in the US. Meanwhile, both the EU and the UK are considering similar measures on outbound investment. The EU's proposals, originally expected by the end of this year, are now forecast for 2024, once member states complete their assessment of the risks and potential impact of the new tool. Our calls to action for businesses in, in respect of M&A hurdles in 2024 are, one, refresh house views on filing jurisdictions and systems to capture a wider range of filing information. Two, carefully assess whether targets may be considered sensitive and could be caught by an ever-expanding number of foreign investment regimes. Three, think beyond competition. Consider the impact of labour, green and public interest considerations on the risk of call-in and deal viability. As for antitrust enforcement, 2024 will see a renewed push from enforcers against inflation-disguised price increases across sectors. The Commission is investigating rocket and feather pricing of, of products which remain overinflated, while many, including the French FCA and CMA, have set their sights on sectors that impact household budgets. Grocery and consumer goods will feature heavily following fines in Portugal and France. Energy prices will also be on the radar. Raids in 2023 included electricity markets in Spain and biofuel in Italy, while Germany has launched numerous proceedings in respect of energy price relief. In Asia, regulators will continue their focus on livelihood sectors, tackling conduct which impacts consumers following raids in 2023 in the fisheries industry in Hong Kong, and action launched in Malaysia against food suppliers. 
The shift to home working continues to impact the practice of dawn raids. But as authorities consider home raids and imaging personal devices, balance will be needed against intrusions on private life, as noted by the UK's Competition Appeal Tribunal's first rejection of a request to dawn raid an individual. Inspection timelines may also be longer, as cloud storage impacts the speed of document retrieval. While EU and UK fines were low between April and September, Spain saw its largest ever fine of €194 million Euros imposed against Amazon and Apple for brand-gating distributors. As for 2024, we may see fines for novel conduct in new sectors. The EU has recently hinted at an expansive approach to cartels, suggesting enforcement of more creative and non-traditional forms of collusion. Private damages claims are also set to continue to feature strongly in 2024, supported by regulatory activity and a significant appetite amongst claimant firms and litigation funders for abuse of dominance claims, given the size of the potentially affected classes and potential damages. With six big tech companies designated as gatekeepers under the DMA, the clock is ticking. Compliance reports are due in March. But numerous ongoing challenges to the scope of the DMA may still shape its reach. Other authorities are following the EU's lead with implementing regulations in force in many member states and other global authorities, including Brazil, planning their own versions. In the UK, the DMCC bill is expected to take effect before the end of 2024, giving the CMA's DMU considerable discretion with powers beyond those of the DMA to enforce bespoke codes of conduct on certain firms, including through pro-competition interventions. Antitrust cases will continue both in respect of digital platforms conduct outside the scope of the DMA, for example, tying, and non-core platform services such as generative AI. The Court of Justice will set precedent on self-preferencing when delivering its Google Shopping judgment next year, while the Commission's draft guidelines on exclusionary abuses expected before mid-2024 should help clarify its approach. In the US, the first wave of enforcement is finally reaching ahead, with all eyes on the potential outcome of the DOJ's first Google trial. The quantity of regulatory activity is likely to support continued high levels of private enforcement via follow-on damages claims, together with further standalone damages claims, notably the attempted revival of Lisa Gorman's claim against Meta. Labour markets remain a priority for antitrust enforcers, as in merger control, who increasingly view labour restrictions as harmful for the economy, leading to lower wages, poorer benefits and working conditions. Recent raids at EU level, publicly targeting no-poach agreements in the online food delivery market, together with ongoing investigations in France, underscore how no-poach scrutiny has ramped up in Europe, following the Czech Republic's first probe and fines in Turkey and Belgium in recent months. Across the pond, the FTC is expected to vote in April on its controversial proposal to ban non-competes entirely, having entered into an MOU with the Department of Labour to collaborate on investigations. In the UK, there is no word on a timeline for the government's proposal to cap non-competes to three months, but recent guidance warning of the illegality of no poach and wage fixing agreements in the UK means that the CMA will be on high alert for anti-competitive clauses in employment contracts. 2024 will likely see the UK's DMCC bill enter into force, bringing new consumer powers for the CMA including the ability to determine consumer law breaches and impose significant fines. Germany too will move towards reforms focusing on consumer protection and ESG initiatives, 
in addition to a simplification in merger control and cartel damage claim proceedings following its latest competition reforms. Consumer concerns around rising energy prices have ensured that the sector remains a target for probes in respect of false or misleading green claims. The ACCC found that 64% of energy businesses reviewed were making claims that raised concerns, while in the UK, the CMA will continue investigations into the environmental claims in the advertising and labelling of boilers as part of wider consumer protection issues in the green heating and insulation sector. But with a panoply of antitrust guidance from various authorities, including the EC, CMA and Dutch ACM this year, businesses can expect clarity and some level of cohesion in Europe and increasingly Asia on the treatment of sustainable agreements in 2024, despite some differences in the scope of agreements covered. Indeed, over half of respondents in our recent survey feel the guidance has given them confidence to take forward collaborative ESG projects previously considered too risky, and many are already doing so. However, as the rules bed in, uncertainty linked with fears of breaking competition rules and the risk of litigation still lingers, putting off a good proportion from cooperating on ESG issues. While other jurisdictions, including France, Hong Kong and Singapore, are also exploring putting guidance in place, the US stands notably apart. Yet despite numerous federal and state inquiries into ESG initiatives, there has so far been no concrete antitrust enforcement against them. And as Brazil's CARDE recently approved a joint venture between parties aiming to track and standardise sustainability metrics, there are suggestions that the tide in traditionally ESG-wary jurisdictions may be turning. There are also indications outside the green space that authorities may be willing to allow legitimate collaboration and deprioritize investigation where parties are seeking, in good faith, to negotiate agreements which benefit consumers and the economy, as confirmed in the CMA's recent prioritization statement on combination therapies. Our calls to action for businesses in respect of antitrust enforcement are, one, scrutinize pricing decisions, particularly for products and services in consumer and energy sectors. Two, refresh compliance training with a real focus on no poach provisions and employment terms. Three, consider approaching regulators on genuine sustainable agreements. That's all from us for now. Thank you for listening and please do visit our website to view the full publication. Mm -hmm.